0: Well, good morning, everybody. You doing okay? <laughs> Thank you, Jesse, for, uh, and Austin, Johnny, for leading us in uh, such a special time <clears throat> of worship this morning. <clears throat> Pardon me, I've got uh, something in there that's uh, giving me fits. It <laughs> uh, has been for a couple of months now. But anyway, um, I know I'm not alone in that. But, uh, you know, just this past uh, Tuesday, uh, we celebrated as a nation our two uh, the, the, the two hundred and forty seven years of our independence. Two hundred and forty seven years. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> <clears throat> and I, I know that we, as Christians, are very grateful for that, to say the least. Uh, while at the same time, I, I know that uh, there are many things that, as Christians, we Sometimes wish we're different about our nation right now. In fact, let me ask you this question. How would you fill in this blank? How would you fill in this blanket? Our nation would be so much better off if blank. If what? Just keeping your heart in mind there for a moment. If what? Some might say you know, our nation would be so much better off if there weren't so many mass shootings, some 20 just in this past week, right? Incredible. Terrible. Our nation would be so much better off if, if we could just get the right person elected to office. Our country would be so much better off if we could get prayer back in public schools. Our country would be so much better off if, if those Pagans would just turn to God. Our country would be so much better off if the, the media w- was not so liberal, if the media was not so godless. Our nation would be so much better off if the health care system was better. How would you fill in that blank? What's in that blank for you? Our nation would be so much better off if? Let me ask you this question. How do you think God would fill in that blank? This nation would be so much better off if, how would he fill in that blank? Well, guess what? (laughs) He filled in that blank over 2,500 years ago. Over 2,500 years ago. We find that occasion in the book of 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament. And it happened at a time in the the history of Israel when King Solomon had just taken over for his father, David, who had just died. Solomon spent some time establishing the kingdom, and then his first order of business right after that is to build a magnificent temple for his God. Incredible place. And and when that temple is completed, he carries out a, a celebration of dedication of that temple. And as a part of that dedication, he preaches a very short sermon, and then prays a very long prayer. You find it in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And as part of that prayer, he talks with God about the covenant that God had made with his father David. And then he begins to obviously reflect on the, shall we say, the spiritual ups and downs of God's people over throughout history up to that point. And so he begins to plea with God, Lord, please, when your people sin and as a result, they're defeated by their enemies, but then they turn back to you, please forgive them and give back their land. Lord, when your people sin and suffer a terrible drought as a result, but then turn back to you, please forgive them. Hear from heaven and send rain once again. Lord, please, when your people sin and as a result they suffer a plague or pestilence or famine, but then they turn back to you, please hear them and forgive them and restore their land. God doesn't answer Solomon's prayer very quickly. (laughs) Not at all. In fact, it's not until eight days later, in the middle of the night, that God comes to Solomon and here's the answer that he gives to him. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Did you, did you hear how God filled in the blank? <laughs> did you hear how God filled in that blank? If my people, not if those godless pagans out there, but if my people. You know, as Christians, when we look around our country these days, and see things that we don't like, the first thing that we need to examine is our very own hearts. Now, if that whole idea kind of gets in your craw a little bit, or rubs you wrong to some degree, that's exactly why God begins with this first condition. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves— that word humble means to bend the knee, to subordinate oneself. Stories told about little Johnny who came to the dinner table one night, and as he comes to the table, and he stands there and he sees what's on the table. He doesn't like what's being served, and so he just stands there with his arms crossed and his mouth pier- you know, his pursed, his lips pursed, his nose all quenched up, and, and his dad says to him, Johnny, sit down. Johnny says, no. Johnny, sit down. No. Johnny, sit down. No. So his dad reaches, grabs hold of Johnny by the shoulders and sits him down in his chair and says, sit down. <laughs> Johnny looks up at his dad and he says, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> what is the posture of your life toward God this morning? Are, are you sitting here on the outside, but standing up on the inside. There's no question that Jesus Christ is King, right? The only question is, are we truly bending the knee to Him? Are we truly humbling ourselves to Him? Friends, I wish I could say that that I bend the knee to Jesus every day of my life, every moment of every day, but the fact is, if you ask me the question, yes, is Jesus really the Lord of your life? If I was going to be honest with you, I'd have to say, well, which day are we talking about? And <laughs> which part of that day are we talking about? I mean, I could parse my response in many different ways to get around what is probably the real answer to that question. Everything I read in God's word tells me that He invites us to enjoy a relationship with Him. Enjoy a relationship and partner with Him and making a difference in this world. But we cannot enjoy that relationship. We cannot be used by Him unless we are willing to humble ourselves before Him. Because think about it what's the opposite? of humility. It's pride, is it not? It's pride. Pride turns us into what you might call practical atheists, meaning that, that pride essentially causes us to really leave God out of our lives. You know, we may say that we believe in Him. We may say that we trust in Him, but how do we truly demonstrate that by the way we live? We must prefer to keep God so much of the time in a little separate compartment in our lives that's labeled with the term open only in cases of emergency. So, on the tail end of this week where we have been celebrating our independence as a nation, can we let this be a time where this week that we personally declare our dependence upon him? in a new way, in a fresh way, to humble ourselves before him. And you know, one of the most important ways that we can do that, that we can humble ourselves before God is to humble ourselves before his word. James 1, 21, the second part of the verse says, Humbly accept the word of God, the word that God has planted in your hearts. It has the power to save your souls. He's not just meaning for eternity, but he means in this life as well. Now we moved here over just over or about 26 years ago now from Jackson, Mississippi, a wonderful southern city. Back in the spring, Jesse, our our worship pastor, was going to a uh, conference over there, and and I was telling him about one of my very favorite places to go eat when we lived there. It was a a southern style home cooking lunch buffet place called Two Sisters. (laughs) I'd never met a a home style lunch buffet that I didn't love. Um, however, on rare occasions, in what I guess was a misguided attempt to try to be healthier, they would put something out on the buffet that I just did not like at the time. It was called Brussels sprouts. <laughs> now, there is nothing southern about Brussels sprouts. It's called Brussels sprouts because they're from Brussels, right? Which is in Belgium. I mean, and that's not even southern Belgium, right? Now, now I have to say, these days when they're cooked certain ways, I like them, but not then, not then. However, what is one of the great things about a buffet is you can pick and choose what you want, and not choose what you don't want, right? <laughs> that is exactly what so many people do with the Bible. They approach it as though it's a buffet. And my goodness, we can be so pridefully selective when it, comes, when it comes to what we obey in God's Word. Instead of humbly accepting all of God's Word, being willing to humbly apply it in our lives, we say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that, but oh, yeah, oh, I like this. But uh, don't give me any of that. That's big-time pride. Because what is it essentially that we're doing when we do that? What we're saying is that, you know, I'm really smarter than God is. (laughs) I really know better than what God does. Or it could be that we're just simply pridefully hanging on to some sin in our lives that we don't want to let go of, and so we just ignore that part of the Bible that deals with it, right? It's pride, plain and simple. Remember the first words out of Jesus' mouth in that famous Sermon on the Mount? What were they? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble, in other words. To humble ourselves before God, to bend the knee before God, is to let God be God in every aspect of our lives. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray. You see, humility is the posture of our trust and dependence upon God, and prayer is how we actively demonstrate that trust in Him. Ephesians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. In other words, keep a running conversation throughout the day with God. Prayer keeps us God-centered each and every day. God-centered. Again, it's, it's how we declare our dependence on Him throughout each day. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God said. Psalm 105 and verse 4, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Have you ever played hide-and-go-seek with a -a two-and-a-half, three-year-old? Done that before? You know, you know, they're just old enough where, where they understand the essential basics of the game, but on the other hand, it can be a little bit disconcerting to them to think about hiding somewhere all alone, somewhere in the house. And, and you know how the game goes, you know. Okay, you go hide on count to ten, okay, but, and you go hide on well, count to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, ready or not, here I come. And you go out looking for them, and then and if you take more than one or two minutes to find them, what do you start to hear? A little voice calling out. I'm in here. (laughs) I'm in here. Because the object at that age is not so much to hide as what? As it is to be found. When we talk about seeking the face of God, please understand that, that God has no interest in trying to hide from us. He does not want to hide from us. The question is not whether God wants to be found by us, but whether we are wanting to find him. That expression, to seek his face, is an all-inclusive expression of undivided, single-minded devotion to God. It means to, to put him before anything else in our lives. In other words, you cannot find God with just occasional casual glances in his direction. It just won't happen. But let me ask you this too. Not only the question, do you want to find God, but how do you know when you do find him? You thought about that? How do you know when you find God? I'll never forget one Christmas season, we're out Christmas shopping, which back then was a very crowded Christmas time at the mall. And then I'm standing there in the midst of this sea of consumer humanity (laughs) when all of a sudden I I feel this little tug on my pants leg and I hear this little voice calling out, Daddy, Daddy. And I look down, it's a little two and a half, three year old boy. I'm thinking, It's my boy. (laughs) It's my boy. I have three daughters, and, and by the way, I, I wouldn't trade any of them for any sneaky boys, all right? <laughs> Not a one. But I'll tell you what, when that little boy saw my face, <laughs> he knew that he'd found the wrong daddy. <laughs> See, how do you know when you found the face of the right daddy? The face of our heavenly father. How do you know? Well, the Bible talks about God turning his face toward his people. When, when the Bible talks about that, it's referring to the intimacy of a right relationship with him. We sing about it, it was so often this, this past year or two, especially in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, that wonderful benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You see to find the face of God is to enjoy a right relationship with him to enjoy his grace to enjoy his peace to experience a confident sense of his presence and his work and his favor in your life that's how you know when you found his face seek his face but friends it's impossible to be seeking God's face while at the same time disregarding the sin in our lives. It's impossible. Psalm eleven seven 7 says, those who do what is right in his eyes will see his face. That's why God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You remember that word turn? It just simply means to repent. That's what repentance is. It means to make a turn, to, to, specifically in cases like this, to turn away from sin and to turn to God. And yet our tendency is to want to not only enjoy a relationship with God, but to also keep enjoying our sin, right? We're always looking, we treat sin like we treat our taxes. We're always looking for loopholes, <laughs> There's a woman that wrote a letter to a Christian psychologist about her kids. She writes, a few months ago, I was making several phone calls in the family room where my three-year-old daughter, Adrian, and my five-month-old son, Nathan, were playing quietly. Nathan loves Adrian, who has been learning how to mother him gently since the time of his birth. As I was talking, I, I suddenly realized the children were no longer in view. So panic-stricken, I quickly ended the call and went looking for the pieces. Down the hall and around the corner, I found the children playing cheerfully in Adrian's bedroom. Relieved and upset, I shouted, Adrian, you know you're not allowed to carry Nathan. He's too little and you could hurt him if he fell. I was startled, she answered, I didn't, mommy. No, Knowing Nathan couldn't crawl, I suspiciously demanded, Well, then, how did he get all the way into your room? Confident of my approval for her obedience, she said with a smile, I rolled him. <laughs> He's pictured a little five month old kid, you know, like a kaleidoscope. <laughs> But isn't that what we do? (laughs) We do that exact same thing. I really didn't disobey. I I rolled him. I I found a loophole. (laughs) Well, bottom line, (laughs) we have to decide, are we going to look for loopholes or are we going to look for the Lord? Loopholes or the Lord? You won't find his face. You can't experience, much less enjoy, the intimacy of a personal relationship with him when you're all clogged up with sin. It's impossible. Book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12, the second part of the verse says, Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Back when I used to play the guitar all the time, I, at the end of my fingertips on my left hand, it developed hard, hard calluses. I mean, you could take a straight pin, and I tried it a few times, take a straight pin and, and you couldn't penetrate those calluses. They were so hard, they were so thick. The constant contact of the strings caused the calluses to build up. Friends, it's the same way with sin in our lives. Our constant contact with sin in our lives causes calluses to build up, not on our fingertips, but where? In our hearts. Our hearts. The result is just as Hosea describes. Our hearts become like hardened, sun-dried, unplowed ground. We plow up That hardened ground, beginning with confession. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of our sins. You start plowing with confession, and then you follow that up with repentance. You make a decisive turn to turn away from sin and again to turn to God. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Well, that takes us back to where we started. The biggest need in our nation right now is with God's people. So many of you pray for revival. So many Christians throughout our nation pray for revival. Friends, revival is not going to begin out there somewhere. Revival is going to begin right here with God's people. Hear God's promise once again. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from listen, don't miss these promises. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, oh, we thank you for your word, uh, Lord, to us. Father, we th- we uh, ask that we might be your people, who truly are willing to humble ourselves and pray. Are willing to humble ourselves to pray, to seek your face. To turn from our wicked ways. Lord, we thank you that you you love us so much, just like with your people 2,500 years ago. They'd sin, they'd turn, you'd heal, you'd forgive, you'd redeem. Lord, we give ourselves to you afresh this morning. In in our, as we just, as we have celebrated the declaration of our independence as a nation this past week, Lord, we declare our dependence afresh and anew upon you this morning. Lord, please turn your face upon us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.